This is a Brain Channel program. Visit us at uctv.tv brain to explore cutting-edge research, treatment options for conditions related to the nervous system, and the inner workings of the human mind. Greetings, Bill Mobley for the Sanford Institute for Empathy and Compassion. And this is the Compassion Forum, where we take an opportunity to talk with people that are playing a very important role in our lives at UC San Diego. And one of those people is Patty Mason, who's CEO of the UC San Diego Health System. Patty has uh, soldiered through this very difficult time in an amazing way. I've been told she's working 26 hours a day. We really admire her. Patty, many people will know your name, but perhaps not the person. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and you know those experiences that you had that led you to the position of CEO? So I think the two most important things to know about me from my um, from my um, growing up is that I grew up in Oakland, and uh, my father was a was a politician. He was a city council member in Oakland, and um, I really learned from him um, because he was the master of it of bringing people together to get things done. He was someone that would get things done, and any any anyone that was interested in trying to make change happen for the better of the community, he would, he would bring them together. And, and that's been an important lesson for me that I've uh, tried to uh, role model. And, and the second thing is that um, I was a swimmer and uh, you know, I, I swam uh, my, my uh, career was um, primarily in the late seventies um, when uh, the East Germans had uh just defeated the American women in the 1976 Olympics. Of course, they were taking steroids at the time, but um, what it meant for U.S. swimming at the time is that um, we um, began to train in a way that um, we knew that when we got up on the on the blocks, no one had trained harder than we had. So for me, I trained six hours a day, even in high school. Um, so I um, did 13 workouts a week. Wow. And wow. the reason I highlight this is because uh, a lot of times when things get really tough and they say, how, you know, how do you have the stamina or how do you have the persistence to continue on? And, and I, I, I tell people because I'm a swimmer and, you know, we just we just knew how we know how to push through just about everything. Um, and so I, I, I lean back on that experience quite a bit and how I live my life in general always 110% and um, always working um, with a hard, you know, work ethic that, um, that I learned from, from doing that. So, um, you know, I became, uh, I went to graduate school at UCLA. I was an undergraduate at Stanford. I swam there. I swam on the U.S. team. I, I experienced the Olympic boycott. I was actually the national champion the year before um, the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Um, and, uh, we were, um, national champions at Stanford in swimming. Um, but, uh, we did boycott the Olympics and that had a big effect on me because I, I went into my undergraduate experience thinking that I would be a physician and, uh, um, made some dis- different decisions after the boycott and, um, ended up with a human biology, um, degree, but with a, a focus on business. Um, and I, I, I didn't know then that I want, I don't know how it happened, honestly, um, serendipity that I ended up um, with the path I did. I, I, I took two years 
before going back to graduate school and then entered into um, the hospital track. There was a small hospital track in the School of Public Health at UCLA, took 10 people every year, and it was very focused on becoming a hospital administrator. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said before, I didn't really want to do any other kind of work. I want to do something that was meaningful to people. Um, and, uh, then got my MBA there as well and started my career in healthcare and, uh, in hospitals and have never looked back. I became, uh, a CEO at, uh, St. Jude Medical Center in Fullerton, uh, when I was 32. Um, so I was, I think the youngest CEO in Orange County, and I think I was the only female, uh, CEO in Orange County at the time. So, um, that was that was a great experience. I made a decision when I had children to resign from that position because, as I said, I'm kind of an all-in kind of person, and I and I couldn't couldn't imagine how I could run a hospital and raise my my children, and um, I really wanted to uh, to have that experience of raising my children myself mostly, um, and so um, you know. But that entire time that I had, I had this wonderful mentor, Paul Viviano, who was the CEO at UCSD before me. I worked with him for 30 years and he, he created this wonderful opportunity for me that no matter how much I was taking care of my kids, I could always work and I could always work at least 10 hours a week. There were times, you know, when they were really young, I maybe worked 10 hours a week and other times when they were getting older, I could work 30 hours a week. Um, but I was always in the C-suite. I was never outside that senior level um, experience and helping guide um, as, as he moved on his career, helping helping to support his work. And then um, again, creating the opportunity for me in, at San Diego to become the CEO here once he uh, moved on to a different position. So um, I've had a really, really fortunate career. Um, and um, the one thing I'll say about um, about my experience being mentored by Paul. And, and I think it fits really nicely in, in where the uh, Sanford Institute is going is that it wasn't just that I was mentored, but I was you know sponsored by him. And what I mean by that is um, he looked for every opportunity for me to um, grow in my career. And um, early on, I was not, um, I'll give you an example. I was not a very good public speaker and he put me out there and he lived through some painful presentations that I gave to boards. Um, if, if I had watched one of my uh, direct reports give some of those presentations, I'm not sure I would have put him back out there again, but he kept putting me back out there till I got good at it. And, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a rare event, but something I think um, we need to look for as leaders and, and, and also for people who are trying to grow in their career is someone who really help them take risks with them and give them opportunities to grow. You know, it's an interesting, you're hearing this story, it's a great story. It's an interesting mix of uh, really pro-social commitment, uh, incredible diligence and discipline, building resilience, uh, benefiting from mentors like Paul. We remember Paul well. We loved him. And, uh, and and so in every way, you've kind of pulled those threads together to make this really beautiful cloth of I, the CEO, care for this place, support this place. I pull people together. We have conversations. 
and we move forward. And, and, and so, Patty, we, we thank you for that. Let, let me ask now, so it was difficult enough to be CEO of this hospital system before the pandemic. What new challenges have you faced and, and how have you dealt with those? You know, it's interesting. It, it's it's um, always an opportunity to um, to really get focused. And I think one of the it, 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 it's similar to when we uh, manage through a strike, um, how quickly the team coalesces. You know, we we set up an incident command center. Um, we we move to daily huddles, meaning um, you know we have all of our huddles running through the organization, and and it boils up to. Uh, to us every single day. Um, we um, work through work processes through the command center. And um, we have just some really incredible health system leaders in our organization that have had a lot of experience in managing uh, the command center. And so what's interesting about it, as, as hard as it is, we're really singularly focused right now on it. And it coalesces the whole team um, everybody's working well together. There's no other agendas going on. Everybody's focused. And, um, and so we're changing things every single day. We're making process changes and we're making uh, decisions and, and, and all. And so I, I think that's the, that's the beautiful part of what <clears throat> may or may not be seen, which is um, this incredible team coming together. I've seen faculty leaders over the last month and a half emerge, it blows me away how good they are. Really, really amazing. Jess Mandel, you know, Randy Taplitz, Francesca Torriani, uh, Mike McHale. I mean, the list goes on, but uh, Ruth Waterman. I mean, I, I hate to say names because I'll miss, miss people, but um, just seeing our physician leaders also coalesce together with us and, and help us work work through this. Um, Dr. Mendel has set up the, you know, the surge plan. We needed to create 40% capacity in the health system for COVID patients. Mm -hmm. So we had to shut down all of our engines and, uh, and then create that capacity for critical care. And to have leaders like that help us um, do that has been pretty amazing. Um, so I feel really good about um, those processes. We had amazing leadership in the lab. Um, and so we're, you know, we're testing an incredible amount of um, people right now, both patients. Um, we've launched last week a testing of our healthcare workers, um, which is really fascinating. I'll talk about that if, you, if you're interested in, in a minute. And uh, so um, PPE, because we, um, because we were the, so what happened at, at the very beginning of this pandemic, um, it, it, when Wuhan was on fire and, and the two planes of Americans were coming back from Wuhan to Miramar, um, I got a call from the county and they said, these planes are coming and we don't know uh, what it's all going to mean, but we need you know, a hospital system to, to be a place to care for patients if needed. And, uh, and they said, we've, you know, we've, we've called around to the other systems. And I said, no, it, it, absolutely, it has to be here. We have to take those patients. We're the ones that have the depth in, uh, in uh, infectious disease. We're the ones that have um, the infrastructure, the command center, et cetera. And so, um, you know, we, we took those patients early on. 
And because of that, I think we got ahead of the game in terms of getting testing going and making sure we had the protective equipment that we needed. So it's it's situated us really nicely. You know, when I when I listen to the town hall, as other people do, it's very clear what you're saying. There are people around that table that have done amazing work. And in a way, I think our system is really kind of a model, could serve as a model for others. Not that other people don't have great ideas, but I think this cohesion of effort is really pretty striking. And and so that leads to the question, you know, we now we're in the middle of this thing. We're not done yet. We're adjusting. We're hoping to recover here. But, you know, there are things that are yet to be done. Um, what do you think, not only what have we learned about this sort of latent leadership that's just waiting to be engaged, but are there innovations that now present themselves that make us stronger going forward? It's a great question. And, and again, that's the silver lining of the pandemic is some of the innovations that have come out and will come out. You know, the the biggest was um, probably televisits. So, you know, we had the capability of doing televisits for quite a long time. And I think over a three-year period of time, we'd done about a thousand visits. And overnight, last month, over the course of about four days, um, we drove such incredible change that um, those video visits, we did a thousand, I think 1200 uh, the next day. So we went from a thousand over three years to 1200 in one day. And um, with a lot of acceptance of that change, it was a, a, a new thing, it was a struggle. Um, but one of the things that the, the pandemic has allowed us to do is to is to drive new change and innovation. And so so what does it mean? I, I was I'll tell you, honestly, I was really concerned about telecommuting for some of our teams. So um, I'll pick one in particular, you know, our RevCycle um, team. Um, but because of the way that the orders were written, um, they were they were um, put in a position to telecommute. Um, but because we've set up systems, um, they're more productive than ever. And our, you know, our, our metric in that area, days in AR are coming down. And it's, it's, it's amazing how, um, how much people have adapted to, to doing work from home. And then that carries through to, okay, well, what does that mean? How much facility do we need going forward? And, you know, how do we rethink about our, um, our spaces to, to accommodate that? So there's a lot of redesign opportunities here. For sure. And that's where I think the innovation is going to come. You know, I'm uh, again, I'm reminded of the, the cohesion that I see in the really careful planning. Um, I think people should know our, 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 our staff, our doctors, our students, our administrators, but also our patients, that we're doing the right stuff. We're doing all the things that make it possible for those people going forward to know that when they come to us, they're going to be safe. Everybody's going to be safe because we're putting in place those kinds of efforts and the testing that's really necessary to say, you can come here and you don't need to worry that as a result of coming here, you're going to get sick. I mean, say a word about that, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge focus for us. And uh, I'll highlight two, two elements of it. Um, the first that you, you speak to is the testing. And so because we've created capacity, our, our, our pathology and lab leadership have been amazing in this process. And we 
you know, got testing up um, rapidly and we, and we have scale there. We can do over a thousand. We can almost do 1500 tests a day now. And so we've, um, we, the first thing we did was started testing because we had so much unease. Um, I mean, that's the one thing I, I you know, I, I should highlight is um, there's just a, there's a lot of fear and anxiety in, in the health system right now. And so our surgeons, our anesthesiologists, um, our staff doing um, surgical procedures, there was just a lot of um, concern. So as soon as we had the capacity, we started testing all of our, our, ta- our patients the day before they came in for surgery. And um, the results are really interesting. So we've tested over 700, I think over 750 um, pre-op patients. And of those, zero had the virus except except for one that had symptoms of COVID that we knew about and they did test positive. Everybody else was negative. And, and that is an amazing statistic. And then the next thing uh, we did was we started rolling out testing for our healthcare workers and we started in the emergency department. And so there we've tested, and so we tested everyone from EVS up to you know nurses and physicians, tested over 600 uh, in that environment, and only one of the 600 plus was positive. So it gives us a sense of, um, I think, a, a lot of optimism and and a sense of safety in our environment. So the idea of using testing and being able to communicate to the to the community that um, they're safe coming into into our environment um, is really important. Um, and the other thing, so the one that was positive, just, just to think about that for a minute, why did the asymptomatic positive healthcare worker, why wasn't there an outbreak around that individual in the emergency department? And the answer to that question is because of our, our, our masking policy, right? Even though they're, they're, you know, they're asymptomatic, maybe, maybe not shedding that's, you know, beyond my domain expertise. Um, but um, they're wearing a mask, the patients are wearing a mask, and people are still safe. So, um, you know, we're, we are a safe zone, I think. And we're going to continue to to test. We're going to move to Moore's Cancer Center. We're testing the ICU workers. Um, and we're going to see what our population really looks like. And, and then we'll make some adjustments from there. Um, but it gives us a lot of confidence in terms of re, reopening services that we're bringing patients into a safe environment. Yeah, and I, it's a wonderful message to send that you know, you're safe with us is essentially the message that we can send to our, to not only to those who work with us, but our, our patients. Patty, um, what can we do to help you? You know, I think it's a, it's a great question. Um, I, I love the community support for our healthcare workers. I think um, we, we've received food donations, Dr. Dr. Mendel, the critical care care team make make jokes about, you know, they're, they're getting heavier as a result of this because there's so much food coming into the system. But, um, you know, I think, I think the, um, the support of, uh, the campus and the community around our healthcare workers is really, um, I, it's just really meaningful. You know, I read, I, I, I don't know if you heard the letter that I read yesterday from the 12 year old. I did about about our healthcare workers being superheroes and it's just um you know it's just <clears throat> meaningful to i think our teams to know that that they're loved and they're supported and um people are praying for them every day 
Um, so, so I think, I think that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things. The other is just to let the community know that it's safe to get care. Yeah. And I think we all have to have that message. It's safe to come in and get care. What we're seeing is that patients aren't coming in. They could heart attacks, strokes, like really serious things. Mm-hmm. And they're not coming in for care. And, and that's just, that just breaks my heart because they need care and it's safe to come in. I go in the hospital every day. I, I, I don't worry one second about that. I, I'm much more concerned about getting getting the virus going to the grocery store than I am going to work. Right. Patty, what a great message and what a great uh, leadership role you're playing. We know that you and, and our chancellor and our vice chancellors and uh, and Steve Garf and our dean, you're all doing a terrific job. We appreciate it so much. And uh, we're on your team. We're on your team and we thank you for this interview. Thanks so much. We're Thanks all so a team. Much. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. So much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.